0: Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. I am a nurse who left traditional Western medicine to explore the vast potential of healing that exists in our natural world. From psychic healers to psychedelic wellness, this is your source to your own human potential. And this is your host, Tanya Gilbert. I'm so honored to bring to you all the way from Jamaica, Tal Sharabi, who is practicing psychedelic medicine work during her travels at this time. She's a graduate from the Psychedelic Assisted Psychotherapy and Research Program at CIIS in San Francisco. She also holds a certification from MAPS MDMA Assisted Psychotherapy Training for PTSD. Tal tells her own story today, how she moved into this Type of practice and how she brings a holistic, non judgmental, strength based approach. Her story of unfolding as a unique, dynamic woman and her resilience is remarkable. Enjoy. Hal, it is such an honor to have you all the way from Jamaica on the podcast today. I am so grateful that you were able to come on. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Jamaica and what you do? Thank you for having me. It's
1: great to be here with you. We're now in Jamaica for about five weeks, and I am participating or holding space in a place called Micro Meditations. It's a company that facilitates psilocybin retreats for people. A lot of our clients or a lot of our guests here don't have experience with psychedelics, and they are introduced to it for the first time here. It's Basically, sort of an apprenticeship in a way, learning how to be with people and guide them and work in the therapeutic integration afterwards. We do
0: that throughout a week. These people come from all over to kind of learn about it, and they're all a little bit psychedelic naive.
1: A lot of the people come with something that is on their mind. Some of them come because of curiosity, because psychedelics are kind of up and coming and so that exists too but a lot of people come because they read somewhere or they saw somewhere that psychedelics can help with the depression PTSD with their trauma and they come here to heal and they go through three sessions in a week and with integration in between the whole experience and the whole staff and the the lead of the retreats are amazing and incredible. So it's quite a potent experience. I'm trained as a psychedelic psychotherapist. I graduated from a year training with the CIS, California Institute of Integral Studies. I graduated from their psychedelic assisted psychotherapy program. That is what I do also back in the States. I, I facilitate ketamine assisted psychotherapy sessions for people. So this is a new, a new branch, learning about a new medicine and, and and a new way of working with it.
0: That's so exciting! And ketamine has its own incredible um, potential and magic. Did you move into working with ketamine because the laws were much more flexible at that time, knowing altogether that you would move into the field, the larger field of psychedelics?
1: Exactly. I am drawn to the larger field of psychedelics, but I work with ketamine because that's what's legal in the States right now. I went through the training, the MAPS training for MDMA-assisted psychotherapy and missing one of the stages and hoping to one day work with MDMA as well. You can say that I'm in my apprenticeship stage. There is a wonderful woman called Dr. Rachel Harris. She wrote the book, Listening to Ayahuasca. And it's about integrating ayahuasca experiences. Her recent project is about interviewing about 20 underground therapists that have been working with people for the last 20 or so years. Underground means... Uh, under the watchful eye, but in a way that is quite safe and, and carrying a and tradition. And most of those people that worked in the field for 20 years, they started not because one day they had a wonderful, you know, psilocybin journey and they decided to hold space for people, but they went through an apprenticeship. They actually went through the trenches. They actually found an elder, a shaman, That took them under their wing. They stayed in a few ceremonies. They learned how to support people in different kind of conditions, different kind of situations. And I think that that's what I'm doing right now in this stage of my life. What's really
0: interesting about this work is you have to do your own work and the humility that comes along with that I was listening to a teacher uh, yesterday speak about how important it is to get out of people's way and to get out of our own way obviously but when we're holding space to not project and to get get out of our own way can you speak to your journey of um, realizing all the work that and the courage that it took to do so
1: sure it goes way back I think My experience with psychedelics is only three years old, but my experience exploring the psyche is since I was five years old. I remember looking up and pondering about existence, and I feel like that kind of pondering and asking and being an existentialist is a little bit of like the foundation that I grew up on and that matured with mindfulness practices, with personal growth work, with going through my own pain, going through my own grief, and looking at all of that with the lens of meaning and meaning-making and expanding of the heart, expanding of compassion and working on my humanity, like you said. That is the journey that brought me to where I am right now. My first entry is a psychotherapy, and that was already a good initiation to taking all the pain, all the work, all the growth that I've done for years and maturing it into sharing with others, being with others in a compassionate heart space. And now with psychedelics, it just took it in a level deeper into a deep form of healing and a great curiosity and a passion of mine, which is psyche, our spirituality, our existence, and how and the body mind connection of those um, kind of find found a home and an expression through psychedelic psychotherapy.
0: You are living in Portland, Oregon, and you for that you were in Colorado. It's interesting. Um, I was able to do a didactic with a physician who does ketamine therapy here. You really don't understand how incredible it is until you get to really learn from it and experience it. It's interesting, the capacity and the differences in the psychedelic. I'm curious, were you able to experience it yourself as you learned and trained with the ketamine?
1: Yes, I had my own experiences and that is that brings uh, a really good question. Should a therapist that works with psychedelics should have their own experience? And I would say, absolutely. You need to understand the space that the client goes into, the kind of inquiry that, that comes with the medicine, different doses, work on your own stuff with the help of, the the medicine or, you know, in this case, we're talking about ketamine, it's not different with psilocybin or anything um, else. Once you understand how it is to be in the space, I can support my clients better it doesn't mean that we're going to have the same experience one of the things about psychedelics is that the experience can be very different from one person to another in different you can give the same dose to uh different people and they're going to have a different experience overall there is a flavor to the space there's a flavor to the work and that flavor is almost like the door the entry to the kind of work that we want to do, and some of it is physical, some of it is spiritual, some of it is emotional content, but these are the different ways that it presents itself. But I think that it's important to experience it yourself as a therapist, for sure.
0: Going back to ketamine is this doctor that I worked with, he said, there's two types of experiences that you can have. Um, 50% of people have a full-on national geographic experience where you just are all over the planet and the visuals are incredible. And the other 50% really have a black and white. Is that your experience with um, ketamine as well? Ketamine for me is gray
1: and white and black and brown, but no... No uh, distinct color, no vibrant colors, and National Geographic is a good way to put it because I feel like I'm almost on the Willy Wonka elevator and travel through space and time and and uh, into inside and then outside. Um, I had experiences where I I was around planets and I've been I had experiences where it was a a big room full of different kind of presentations of humanity and then i was in a room alone with my own thoughts so i experienced different kinds i guess
0: tall so you're currently a guest facilitator at this amazing retreat in uh, Jamaica and that's just incredible can you tell us a little bit about your background where you started and um the stuff that you had to work through so that we can really relate on the level of our, the beautiful humanity that we all share.
1: Sure, a little bit about my story. I think an important part of my background is that I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family in Israel. It was part of the challenge in my life and also the blessing. The challenge was definitely what I experienced as a gender oppression. I had to dress up in a certain way. I, I was not allowed to engage in normal teenager things. I, I feel like it shaped and slightly, or maybe not slightly damaged my relationship with my sexuality, my body, my ideas, who I am as a woman. That is what was difficult. The area of that supported my growth in my life was my two incredible parents they are both very devout and their devotion is very spiritual so in our home my dad especially used to give us different lectures religious lectures about the torah and a lot about morals and a lot about spirituality and the nature of god our existence and all of that, since a young age, was brewing in my my mind, and in my psyche, and that's how I found myself at age five, already pondering about the universe and my existence. And I remember looking up into the heavens and sensing the feeling of oneness in a way, feeling the connection, and that. Body feeling of connection stayed with me for a long time and guided. It was kind of a beacon towards where I am now. They taught me about compassion. They taught me about supporting the community, being how, what does it mean to be a good person, and all of those things. Uh, one of the one of the topics that they constantly talked about in my home is the interconnectedness of all things and all beings, and especially in a way we can reach out to each other and support each other because we're all connected. So these kind of early ideas about compassion and about spirituality stayed with me and shaped my heart, shaped my psyche. I feel like they brought me to where I am right now. And the hardship was definitely part of it, although uh, that was very uncomfortable at the age of 15 I decided not to pursue anymore, not to follow the Jewish tradition. And gradually in my life, try to find a different way, a different God, because I didn't quite relate to the violence and the oppression of femininity in the Bible. I apologize if that offends anybody. So, around my 20s, I found Buddhism especially Tibetan Buddhism and meditation, these ideas resonated with that sense of oneness that I felt in my heart since early in my life. That felt like the right path and I I didn't become, I didn't hold it in a religious kind of way, but definitely practiced meditation, mindfulness ever since and read ideas and thoughts from great thinkers like Krishnamurti and Gurdjieff and, of course, the Dalai Lama. And I had different kind of influences around that. That's probably a little bit about my spiritual growth. The hardship that I feel like I had to go through was uh, the death of my sister when I was 17. She had cancer and battled with it for four years and died at the age of 15 so she was 2 years younger than I was and my best friend so just the the hit of not having her around anymore the pain of her death missing her so much was it kind of threw me into 10 year of depression what sometimes clinically can be called complicated grief and that that was seasoned with me coming out as not religious anymore. And that created a lot of tension in my environment. So all of that brought a lot of lot of stress into my life. And that with depression was absolutely not a great combination. So I had to find my way out of that depression. And I think that meditation and Buddhism definitely help. And I remember one particular moment that was quite significant in my life is after I moved to Canada, I lived in Canada for four years. I had a little basement apartment that was very dark and it was winter. So it was dark in the winter in Canada. And I remember feeling that pain that people that experience depression can understand that it's almost like the world is closing and dark and still and alone. I remember that it felt like I hit the very core of it. I felt very close to the core of that depression. And in that core, there was a light. There was a little flickering light and I felt like, called it love. And as cliche it might sound that love was sustaining me from now on i found it and was able to ignite it and let it come through and i feel that it still ignite that you know that it's probably the life energy that i found there probably still ignites my purpose and my connection with others and the world and what i do the work that i do in this healing realm
0: If I may ask, did you feel a little bit maternal to your sister since you were her older sister as well? You mentioned you were best friends.
1: I never felt maternal towards her because she, I was shy and quiet and daydreaming person. And she was feisty and very grounded and very much in this world. We had this symbiotic relationship when she was the force forward in some ways behaving like the older sister in some ways, but then I was more the creative leader. Oh, this is the music we should listen to, or this is what we should play now, or this is the the story that we should recreate as you know, as we're playing uh, Make-believe. So uh, it was a great relationship in that regard. We never fought. I remember her only once when she was two or three, she beat me. That was the
0: only thing that... <laughs> was the source of the interconnectedness. Have you felt connected to her in your journeys in the psychedelic fields? Yeah, yeah. I, you
1: know, it's been 20 years since she passed away and and you would think that it would already be in the past, but there is something about grief that is timeless. The pain is... You know, not as much in the body, but it's still somewhere in the heart. And if I'll see a a video of her or if I'll talk about her character, sometimes I'll still feel that sadness. So I had a one ketamine session when I felt her presence very, very strongly and had a conversation with her or some kind of interaction. That was very
0: special to me. And you talk about your femininity as being um, really in your sexuality, um, really being restricted in your previous life. Can you tell us a little bit about what it feels like? What does the freedom of your energy of a woman feel like now in comparison to what it was like then?
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the long version of that. The way that I came into myself was through my relationship to my body. And I remember when I was 16 at my cousin's house and she put some music on and she's dancing freely, moving her body. And I wanted to do the same. I had ideas of how I want to move my body, but my body couldn't move. And gradually with the years, my body could move a little bit more. I started rock climbing, I uh, started running, and, and then gradually through other forms of Sport, yoga, uh, skiing, every everything like that that I tried and moved my body in a new way, created a new relationship with it. And through that, there's, there's also the relationship of authentic movement through the body. Dance is one of those expressions when we can forget who we are a little bit and just let our body guide us through what it wants to do. And that was a gradual uh, experience. I remember... When I moved to Canada, that was I had a distinct I think it was Halloween night that was distinct moment when I realized that my body can move all of a sudden can dance. And that's one layer of it is how the body can shed it. it's almost shed these layers of constriction and let yourself move. There's another layer which is a lot of bit more psychological, which is the shame. That's a different layer to go through. It's recognizing what are my voices, what are someone else's voices, getting a taste of freedom in different ways, and then they translate into the body, starting to see myself as more liberated. And there is a way to look at my body with love and care, uh, with its expression that uh, is uh, allowed that to happen as well. One of my friends says that As women, we heal our feminine lineage, able to heal the pains of our grandmother, great-grandmothers, mothers. I feel that that's part of the meaning that I'm making also with my liberation right now. I I feel like every time I make a choice that is not conventional for women in my culture, not having kids or uh, choosing to wear less clothes or be more free with my expression is is a way of making honoring them and making a statement of you have a choice you're a powerful woman and your body is yours you can celebrate it and enjoy it all of these messages that I feel like right now they're very much already embodied in my ex- experience and expression
0: that is so beautiful. Thank you so much for going into that and mentioning liberation. That's, that's so beautiful. So I can see how that word liberation kind of reflects multidimensional, this life experience in the way of the femininity, but um, psychologically and spiritually.
1: Mm-hmm. I bet that a lot of women can relate to that because it doesn't show up only in religious orthodoxy, It comes up in in different ways. Um, You know, rape culture is one of them when we're being responsible for someone else's behavior or different ideas of what women should or should not do, what the consent, right, the whole idea of consent, all of that touches how we are as women or as people. I I don't have the men experience in my life, but I'm open to to, you know, to consider the fact that they might experience their own version around that, around their own version around the constriction of shame and uh, of, around sexuality and the relationship with the body. But I think that it exists even in, in minor ways in a very liberated society like the United States. Right?
0: With the work that you're doing now as a guide for this retreat, I'm just curious about how the how it opens, because I know you're talking a lot about integration during the sessions. How do you guys prepare for the, the session and help people kind of get into a space where they'll be freely able to move around and and um, have some open arms in it?
1: In the field in general, we we know that we talk about set and setting and a lot of time, the set is the person's preparation, the person's idea of what they're going to get, what their idea is about, what they're going to experience, and their psychological preparation and emotional, spiritual. The setting is normally the environment. Preparation is essential in psychedelic space. The preparation starts already from before they even come here, they, the kind of information we provide them, the kind of attention we give them, the kind of uh, research they've been done or what kind of experiences they had in the past. When they come here, there's also a preparation session and a really close attention to themes that might come up and themes that are good to visit. And then, And then we create this connection with them that they know they're supported. So they have, we have a a large of a professional for a a guest ratio. And our professionals are, a lot of them are therapists. Some of them are just people with a lot of life uh, experience, life wisdom and a lot of knowledge about psychedelic spaces And, and people that have great presence. And I think that can also create a good set in a setting uh, for a person, I'm just trusting the staff and trusting the environment. As a therapist, I, I with ketamine, I usually have between two or three sessions for preparation with a client. Ideally, even more to really create, but some clients, they need a little bit of preparation to understand the, the kind of experience we're going into because not everybody are prepared for the, making a rich meaning out of that kind of experience. That's my opinion.
0: Interesting. That's a very interesting opinion that there's some people that are really prepared to make rich meaning out of their experience, and there's others that aren't. I see, I see the psychedelic
1: experience. Uh, it's, not the, it, it's not a cure for everything. It's not the thing that necessarily would definitely change your life. And it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing tool. Um, There is a way of addressing your own journey that is the preparation, I feel, that is essential. It's what Jung talked about with the hero's journey uh, explained by Joseph Campbell. It's basically looking at your life with the eyes of that understand that makes meaning and understand that the journey is. You're going through something, and there's there's a, a a challenge maybe, and you're going into the underworld, and you understand that you mind something that you need to battle with, and and you find your own strength, and you kind of find your identity in that journey, and you come back home. That's only one version of what it means to make meaning, but there is some kind of intentionality that I like to help my client find, because that is helpful to create a richer experience with psychedelics.
0: Wow, that's really, really interesting. Something that I was pondering yesterday was I often share to people that we have to have, as we integrate in our life, we have to parent ourselves to step up to the next level. And it occurred to me that some people have no idea what parenting means because they just didn't have parents. So we do all come to this uh, landscape with such a varied background and understanding of how to take care of ourselves. So integration is a lot more complex and than one would think
1: right it's a they did too because when you when we look at traditional indigenous practices of, of psychedelics the integration is different we don't we don't stick in a group and talk about it or in a therapy room so what is that about why is it different and I have an opinion about that and one of them is that it seems like each culture, with their work with medicine ha- tailor their own way of integrating so if it's a a community that is part of a village part of a tribe you go back to the tribe and that's where you integrate You are hands-on integration right you're bringing yourself back into your community and in the western world we're very mind-centered that's one of the things that we need to take in account and also very isolated in our experience a lot of us are don't go back and merge with the tribe where we go back to our homes, maybe our nuclear family, and a lot of us keep our experience to ourselves in some way or another. So there is a way for this mind-centered, very individualistic society to work through this kind of content. And I think that integration in the psychotherapy way is tailored for that, for, for this kind of person. It's not the only way to integrate, and it's not the absolute truth. It's one of them that I think works very well for someone from the Western hemisphere, you know, from the, the Western culture.
0: Yeah, that's very, very well said. I really like that perspective in tribes. It's more of a hands-on integration that makes a lot of sense. And personally, I feel that I feel that we are definitely more isolated in the Western world and we don't often share our meanings because it's not socially acceptable uh, in fact, a lot of teachers will share, don't share your experience, be very mindful with who you share your experience with, because on the DSM, we still diagnose these experiences as psychotic.
1: Right. Yeah. That's something to be mindful of. We we say when we help people reintegrate, when we prepare them to go back into their homes and the community, we say, be mindful of who you share this experience with and how and when. Uh, Because that matters. We talk about community and psychedelic space. And I want to say that even though it's not something that we have right now in our culture, it's something that we're moving towards. Even when I provided ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, we started to, we facilitated retreats. Uh, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy retreats, when you have a group of people dosing together, integrating together, and that was such a potent experience, and also moved to work with ketamine-assisted psychotherapy groups. And the group work is quite incredible. There is something, um, kind of a new wisdom that's created in that kind of space. It's beyond the individual, and also you can get support from the community, from the group, uh, get supported. You can see communities created around ayahuasca in the States. You have communities of people that use psychedelics on a regular basis that are supporting each other and creating different kind of practices. So I think that we are moving towards more of a community where community spaces, we are I think that our craving to be seen and share life is and the psychedelic aspects of opening and healing they're merging together in a beautiful way and which was the reality forever in indigenous communities right when the medicines mostly were taken uh, in community so i believe
0: yeah, that is really beautiful. I really appreciated you making that point. Back into that point, I've listened to some podcasts. I haven't been to a retreat like like the one you, you get to take part in right now. But what I've heard is that it's interesting, are the clients all together in their experience in the same room what I heard was sometimes it really affects other people depending on if one person is moving through an experience of a lot of joy and they're really laughing. Meanwhile, one is going through a lot of suffering. How does that look?
1: I only can speak for my experiences so far, which is the ketamine uh, retreats that I facilitated, the groups I facilitated, and then my experience here in micro-meditations. And Michael, they provide you your own space but in a group so it's a you usually dose outside as it's raining and you have your private little area so people are might affect each other but it's you know mostly you have a little bit of sense of privacy in some to some extent but you can still hear someone if they yell or you can hear someone if they're having a big experience then it might happen and and that's up to the facilitator to decide if they want to have that person have their own experience somewhere more private or stay with the group with uh, the ketamine retreat people dose together and same with the ketamine groups people dose together and in the same room and what's, what's special about ketamine is that it's not activating the body, it's actually actually making people be a little more quiet, not able to move as much, and because of that, it's easier to those people in the same space and not having them affect each other as much. Although we had an experience of someone going through an experience, going through some grief and some crying and a little bit of yelling, and he did it in a space with other people that were dosing as well. And that was okay. It was okay with the group. I actually even heard a story this week of someone having a big experience and definitely affecting others. But one of the other participants came to that person and thanked him at the end of the session saying, thank you, you helped me break through something because of your yelling, you know she experienced a lot of yelling in her life and she had to go through that experience and was able to go through it better under psilocybin.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah. I I can definitely see how it depends and it's really interesting to get the perspective in the ketamine fields. I definitely know what you mean that people tend to be a little bit more still and quiet. And that's also really remarkable about the breakthrough um, that that woman had. Do you guys always use music in both the ketamine journeys and also the journeys that you're doing now in Jamaica?
1: Mm-hmm. Part of the Western protocol for psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, which is my background and training, uh, we use music with MDMA, with psilocybin, and John Hopkins, and others. And and even in this retreat with micro-meditations, and the ketamine retreats and groups that i facilitated now, people have the choice if they want to take their earphone phones off in all of those cases they can take it off and just listen to the ocean here in Maiko or or just be quiet for a bit and ke- with ketamine the music is essential because it really plays with the medicine with the space it really takes you places With psilocybin, in my own experience, personal experience, I wonder what experts would say because I'm not an expert in that. My own experience is that there is a point when the music is not necessarily needed for me, Um, but I know for for some people, music can take them places as well. So it's really an individual preference
0: where do you see yourself? What would you like to continue to do? It sounds like you're passionate about the community work and bringing people together. Is that where you're aiming?
1: That's an interesting question, I
0: see, because of
1: the place that I am right now in my life. I graduated from the CIS program, Psychedelic Assisted Psychotherapy. I practiced for a while with ketamine, had, you know, in, in a clinic in portland so i feel and now i'm embarking into this apprenticeship period in some ways what i'm doing right now is letting myself be shaking up a little and not know where i'm going not know what's ahead and what am i gonna be doing later I'm kind of in a beginner's mind, which is ironically something we ask our clients to do in psychedelic space all the time, come with beginner's mind. And I think that that's what I'm doing right now. I kind of let go of what I've done so far with the hope on building on that experience
0: towards something else that I don't know yet. I had a previous guest and we were talking about the opposite of shame being flow And it's, yeah, it's very much about, about learning how to go with the flow of your life. And that's where so much more joy and magic and synchronicities lie. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you is, um, once you started down this path and to be honest, it sounds like you've been on this path since you were five years old, some of your earliest memories were connecting to something greater, as time has gone by and you've learned to uh, love yourself, open up and get more connected with the liberation of your body, how has the synchronicities in your life um, lined up for you?
1: I love the word synchronicity. There's so many,
0: right? I like
1: to think about this image of life, intentional life being Mm. such that you're lifting your leg to climb a stair as if you were to climb a stair and then there's no stair yet there but it suddenly appears as you put your foot down and sometimes that's how synchronicity feels like to me i don't know what will transpire from this path right now i am i'm about to go to central america a little bit and possibly to mexico to visit my friends teachers and have a journey with them I hope to get more experiences in medicine
0: based that I
1: am not even aware of yet.
0: I really like that. You kind of called that out because I think part of the work is, is not exactly right. Is it not knowing where you're going is not knowing where the step is, but having more, more trust and liberation and um, just trust in that, in that process. So I think that you called out, something really important that we start to live in the moment so much more and what matters less and less is the outside world dictating where we're going whereas if you were you know at school at harvard studying something you know you would know exactly where you're going but it feels really flat you Mm -hmm. know whereas now you're like you've really handed um your path over and mm-hmm. To the unknown, and it 's just a really beautiful um, place to be and in order to do that, it just takes a tremendous amount of courage to and, to, and um, willingness to work on ourselves enough to be comfortable in that space
1: yes, thank you it 's a practice of being comfortable in that space. I feel that life goes in between those two right it's it's a it's a spectrum between being completely in flow or having a lot of responsibilities and and finding a way of taking care of responsibilities but still flowing even in everyday life has been a practice for me this is an interesting time in my life because i did give away some of my stuff i'm seeing my clients online and i'm going with uh, more of a movement and traveling Um, there were times in my life that I was going to the office every day that I saw clients in person that I was doing things more in the community and even in that everyday, sometimes mundane things there are opportunities for flow there are opportunities for play there are opportunities for listening and I think that just having both is is really uh important for me at least so Dance can be one of those ways when you let go and let yourself flow, or having one day when you don't have anything to do, right, and just decide based on your own will what, what you're going to do next are little examples where we can let our spirit roam free for a little bit, and psychedelic practices where it's okay to do that.
0: Are there practices that you use in your everyday life now, taking psychedelic a therapy aside, but that just becoming more mindful and more present that you've instilled in your everyday life that help you live with more intention.
1: Absolutely. I really believe in the body-mind-spirit connection, and I can see in my answer that it's going to come out this way. I definitely need movement. I need to exercise, take care of my body in that way. Anything that would help me feel strong, have more endurance. So practices. like that, uh, I go to the gym three times a week, so that is important to me, as well as dance, I feel like dance is very important for me i I go to ecstatic dance practices, and that community is very rich with uh, people that understand and practice this kind of attention uh, to uh, intentional life lifestyle also. I think that community, having people to connect with, is important for me as well. Um, I guess it's not a mindfulness practice, but I have, I have relationships with a few friends that are, we we don't just catch up on what was going on, but actually dive into the heart and have a space to really be seen and see each other, and I find this relationship and connections. It's a mindfulness practice of really being with someone else and being heard and also hear them back. I also meditate and practice mindfulness uh, on a daily basis. It helps me remember who I am because it's, you know, life can take different shapes. Buddhism talks about like you're not the same person that you were five minutes ago. And it's kind of true because your thoughts and feelings change in in a matter of minutes, but coming back home, there is something about mindfulness practice that helps me to come back to center
0: um, that I
1: found very, very
0: helpful. I love that you said that. I feel like endorphins that you get from exercise for anybody listening, I'm just going to do a recap because if you're anywhere in your life where you're just looking for things to instill, I think what you just said is amazing. The endorphins are essential to add to the practice of psychedelic therapy. I, I really feel like somehow it's a, it creates this whole body orb, if you will, to really solidify the work that we're doing. Adorphins are just beautiful and community. If we can find our, our communities that we fit in and, and you're uh, having the opportunity to really move into femininity and flow and magic with, and and really being present at the moment with the dance and then, Um, You said friendships where we can be held and feel that we're seen. What a gift, what an honor. And so if anyone's looking at, you know, maybe they're feeling really isolated, it's something that we should really look to manifest in our life is to see where those sacred spaces are and continue to move towards those and away from the spaces where we feel shamed, shunned, and not seen and not heard. And I also just wanted to mention that with meditation, you know the the psychedelic work sometimes really helps people learn how to how to move into um, meditative states a lot easier. If you struggle with meditation, sometimes working with some psychedelics with a, a therapist and the psychotherapy will help you instill that. It's somewhere where we can really move into intentional living. For anybody out there listening that's struggling, I have a few things
1: um, to share about psychedelic work. Find your community. Find someone that can support you in your practice if you choose to do so. And also learn about how to engage in it in safe practices, safety is essential in psychedelic work. Legality aside, I want to talk about safety, about having a sitter, about processing, about someone that can hold space for you. Don't underestimate the need for for those support. In terms of the practices that I talked about, I couldn't recommend more Practices like five rhythms or ecstatic dance when you get your body to move the way it wants. Now, if it's a challenge, there are other practices that can help you move in a way that is more conventional. And then that can be a, a door to open up to movements that are a little more authentic and freeing and expressive. Five rhythms, if you don't know, is a is a way of actually going through a journey through music and dance that your body actually processes some of the things that you bring into the table. You move through your emotions, you move through the images that you create. It's it's a beautiful way to practice. In terms of meditation, a lot of people don't like to sit down, especially these days when we're so antsy, we don't like to sit down and meditate. I have two recommendations about that. One of them, five minutes is sometimes enough. but give yourself five minutes of sitting down and remembering who you are and the more times you do it during the day, it's important. Now Let's remember that what we want to get from meditation is mindfulness. Mindfulness is the key, not necessarily just the still stillness of meditation, which has its own merits. So mindfulness can be practiced on the move. You can ask yourself, or you can take a deep breath before you start doing an activity. Before you eat, you can take a few moments to just observe your mind and your thoughts. How am I feeling right now? What am I doing? these are already practices that would help you pay attention to your life and bring
0: intentionality a little bit more. Thank you. Is there a way, are you available on social media or or do you have a website? Is there a way way that people can get in touch with you or follow you? Yes. On social media, I'm intervene psychotherapy
1: on uh, Instagram.
0: Thank you so much Tal for coming and sharing your experience and uh, making time all the way from Jamaica. And I'm, I just am so excited about your journey come one step at a time. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much, Tanya. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And thank you for letting me share a little bit about myself.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I've created a free guidebook that's downloadable for you about psychedelic integration, how we can individualize and personalize our own integration journey, how we can move through our own deconstruction with more compassion for ourselves, and how we reorient our entire lives from no longer the direction of what matters being the outside world and from a new direction of what matters from the perspective of your inner loving being. You'll love it. Enjoy. It's at www.tanyagilbert.com. That's T-A-W-N-Y-A. Thanks.